now, it's time for... No, I don't live in my parents' basement. A show that covers comics, movies, music, pop culture, and everything in between. Here's your host, B.J. Kennard and Adam Dellinger. And welcome to the show. I am B.J. Kennard, across from Adam. Adam I, I'm I jacking that up. because That's it, why I don't say my name anymore. Nothing sounds stupider than, you know. Messing up your own name. I listened to Julia Louis-Dreyfus on Conan's podcast the other day. Yeah. And she couldn't say her own name. She messed up Louis-Dreyfus. She was like, Julia Louis, and couldn't even say it. Then she got worried about saying her own name. And didn't know. But I do know that it is Adam Dellinger. Yeah, and you're a newscaster, so yeah. I kind of lean on you for that. I don't want to make that same mistake, and you can articulate uh, everything well. So, so I, if, if I am in a part where I'm having a hard time or getting my words out, I will switch to a newscaster, what I deem like a newscaster voice, and then just start reading stuff, and it gets me into like the, the zone or whatever. So I, I just I have an article pulled up here for uh, the, the Marvel finally declares who's stronger, the Hulk or the Thing. And so if I was having a problem reading, I would just go, there aren't many rivalries in comic books like the one between the Hulk and the Thing. The two superheroes have long been at the center of a debate among fans. Which superpowered character is actually the strongest. You're not doing a newscaster voice there. You're no, well, I'm sorry. The news, the 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 news voiceover for those, you know, the little the packages. Teasers. Yeah. All of those, because that's what they do. This man came to town hey, looking for trouble. Do me a favor. Give me uh, the headline again. Yep. And then tell me that the answer lies in a song from 1974. Because you got a Casey Kasem thing happening. Oh. Marvel finally declares who's stronger, the Hulk or the Thing? The answer lies in a song from 1974. Here's the Bee Gees. Yeah, here's the Bee Gees. So that's what I'll end up doing. So, Because we do a read-through before the news every day. And so I'll end up reading through in different styles just to kind of help me get in the groove. And sometimes it's just over the top. Sometimes we'll go southern on it. Sometimes it'll just be whatever it is, but you're because you're reading the news essentially twice a day, once before you get in there to do it live, and then when you do it live. But sometimes we have to be careful not to do something too crazy ahead of time that gets us laughing, because then we'll be laughing about a story that may not be funny, and then we get into the studio to do it for real. We will be thinking about the thing that is funny, and it's and it's hard. Who orders the stories? Who puts them in order? We have a producer. All right, so let's play a game. Okay, I want to guess the lead. Today. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you two choices. All right. I'm actually going to pull it up because I have it in my email. Of um, my okay. For today. Choice number one. This is the one I'm going to go with. Wall Street taking a dip yesterday. Uh, not number one. Uh, and something regarding Jeffrey Epstein. Not number one. Did actually, it, we didn't even do Epstein today except for in Hot in Hollywood, Patricia Heaton is going to be doing a show based upon an article written about Jeffrey Epstein that had already happened before all the suicide stuff. It'll be a little short-lived series, like a like a three or six episode thing. So what was the lead? Uh, number one story today was the Philadelphia shooting. Oh, yes, I'm the sorry. The guy that barricaded himself in the house. Yes. So that could have been a lot better. Dow Plummet it was number two. Uh, New York child victim lawsuits number three today. The St. Louis shooting that happened a little while, like that boy that was killed. Yep. Uh, they got the guy. They have somebody in custody. And then uh, our last story, try to lighten it up for the fifth story of the first block, was the fact that the Ohio State University is trying to trademark the. I don't know if you've seen that. 
Yeah. Like, they're trademarking the word the. I'm pretty sure they didn't invent the. No, but they're trademarking it in context. Yeah, but apparently they're even doing it wrong or incorrectly. They they have a chance to get it correct, but the way they submitted it, according to a, like a patent or copyright lawyer, he's like, look, they can get it right. They just didn't do it this go-round. You would think that they would. Boy, they are the Ohio State University. They have a law program? I don't know, but they got lawyers. No, no, I know that, but I'm saying if they have, I don't know. If the Ohio State Ohio State University has a, a law program, this is going to look really, really. I'm going bad. to assume that they don't. I'm just going to. I don't know why. I'm just going to say no. All right, but since the last podcast, uh, you got to go do something, and we haven't talked about it much. We talked. We said that you were about to. You know, when you left the podcast last week, you were leaving to go see uh, who and where. John Mayer. Yep, I've heard of him. And I was going to see John Mayer at the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yes, and so you did it. And your takeaway was it is now what on your list of shows? The best concert I have ever seen. And if you want to go digging deep into the podcasts, uh, back in the earlies, I'm going to say maybe episode two, three, or four, somewhere in there, uh, for our Power Five, uh, we did our top five favorite shows. And so you can actually go back and see what has been taken off of this list since now you have a new number one i saw uh, springsteen at the garden and i what wasn't that your number one yes and the reason that that's number one and let's be real clear here like i'm a fan of bruce springsteen's work Mm -hmm. from 1970 well from the beginning so we'll say greetings from asbury park through born in the usa Maybe in okay. look. You're I, not into streets of Philadelphia. No, I've got all that stuff though. The rising and all. I'm just saying that I don't put that in the pantheon of all time great music. Gotcha. Don't hate me for that. It's a personal preference thing. If you're a Springsteen fan and listening right now, and there's nothing wrong with it. It just yeah, doesn't sure. check all the boxes for me. Right. But when I saw Bruce Springsteen, and I explained this in that podcast, when I saw Springsteen at Madison Square Garden, it felt like a it was an experience. Well, it's like a religious event. I believe I told you that there is uh, cheering and yelling and, you know, the whole like, and there's chants. It's like a college football game. Yeah. Plus, even though he's a Jersey guy, for some reason, New York City's like, yeah, he's ours. Because yeah, it's right across the river. Yeah, but if you listen to, like, people from New Jersey hate that. And then half the time, New York City people are like, you live in Jersey. That's not New York. You've heard that before. Yeah, but I do think a lot. I think more and more people now live in Jersey that go into New York to work than. But they've adopted Bruce Springsteen yeah. as their own. And that was a great show. But what Mayer did in Charlotte was incredible. Two and a half hour runtime or so. The concert was three hours long. He took about a 25 minute uh, intermission, mm-hmm. no opening act. One of the really cool parts, too, is that Mayer uh, picks his house music. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's really cool to hear what Mayer's listening to. And it was, there was Guns N' Roses. Yeah. You know, there was Jimi Hendrix. Like, it was really cool. It sounded like, I don't know, a, a really good rock radio station. Yeah. And I, I do enjoy getting there early enough for some of those shows. And you know, like, most bands these days will do that. They're the ones that's kind of setting the tone for what the show is going to be. And I'd, and I'd like you, i really like to see what they're picking. And occasionally you, you bust the phone out and Shazam a song that you don't know. I got there early enough. So my wife put this whole trip together. Mm-hmm. And I'm so 
thankful for her. She knew how important this was to me. And if I had it on my own accord, I wouldn't have gone to the concert. Yeah. Not buying the tickets and booking the room and planning a trip. I'm not wired that way. And I'll always say the, eh, I'll see him next time around. All right. And uh, I've said that with Prince. Mm-hmm. Probably can't do that anymore. I, not a, not again. Yeah. I've said it with Prince a couple of times. I've said it with, uh, I've said it with David Gilmore. Mm-hmm. He basically sold all of his guitars. Yep. And so my wife wasn't going to let me do that this time. And she knew how important it was to me to get to see Mayer play the guitar. Interesting story here. Don't know if you've ever bought tickets via... Uh, second party? A second or third party yes. in some cases. StubHub or any of those? Bought our tickets from StubHub because I had the American Express prepay. You remember this. Yep. And uh-huh. I'm trying to buy tickets on the floor. I want to be front and center. And the scalpers bought them all in like a minute and a half. Right. And I'm Always. Blo- yep. And I'm blocked out. And I did a little research... The best tickets in the house, acoustically and all, is Section 113 in Spectrum Center. And you really did get into it. Good I, for you. I did. Well, I wanted to hear... This is not a show that's a theatrics. Mm-hmm. It's not a show that's you know driven by pyrotechnics or dancers or anything like that. Yeah. This is about the music. Yeah. And uh, something I have a great appreciation for. So Section 113 is the best section in the place. Is it close enough for you to throw your panties on stage? Because I know at some point you had to do that for him. I couldn't throw my panties on stage, so I just kept those on. <laughs> but uh, I could have, dude, at any given time, like Section 113 from my seats, I could hit him for the first down with yeah. football. Good like, for you. no doubt. Yeah. But we got Section 114 because 113 is completely sold out. Yeah. The guy doesn't deliver the tickets. We're 15 minutes outside of our hotel, which is literally... Across the street. Dude, 15 yards. Yeah. You don't even cross a road. And it's just there. Right. Which is great. And I'm 15 minutes away. I don't have tickets to the show. And the show's in like three hours. Mm-hmm. Call StubHub. It's just like you're relaying information. StubHub calls us. They're like, listen, your tickets, we can't get them for you. However, uh, you're protected. And we've got tickets for you. We're going to send them over now. Better tickets than what you had before. Mm-hmm. Hope you're still inter- interested. No additional charge. We're like, yeah, okay, cool. We got there, dude. And I walk, and I'm there's like a lounge area. Okay, like it's not just ushers there. Sure, there's an usher to get into the lounge area. Nice. And I walk, and I tell my wife, "Do I buy a beer mm-hmm. outside of the lounge?" And Corey goes, "I think we go down here." That's my wife, Corey. Corey says, "I think we go down here." I said, "We're not in there, babe. That's aren't our tickets. Uh, let me get a beer, and then we'll ask somebody." Mm-hmm. Well, well, my wife, way smarter than me, she asked the usher. She goes, "Come on in, guys." Uh, you'll see that lady over there, the other usher, on yeah. the other side of the lounge. The bathrooms. Balling. The bathrooms, your own food area, your own bar. Treat yourself. And so we get down to the usher, and that lady goes, all right, well, I'll tell you what, let's let's walk you down. And I wanted to get there early because mm-hmm. I knew they'd obviously done sound check way earlier in the afternoon, but I know how these guitar players are, man, especially like the people that I consider the guitar gods. Mm-hmm. They will run... They'll have their techs run sound check and tune those things eight times in an hour. Yeah. So we get there way early. The lady's walking us down the steps, and I couldn't. We just kept getting closer. Nice. And closer yeah. and closer. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So the great seats. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they're they're messing with his guitar. I am on the side that his guitar tech's on with a toolbox out working on his instruments. And I uh, ask another. Like, I had the tickets that let you do whatever you want. Yeah. And I... Not used to that experience. Yeah. So I asked the lady, another usher there. I said, "Can I go over there and like 
watch what he's doing? She goes, yeah, go on over there. Yeah. So I walked over and watched this dude work on his guitars and replace the strings and was uh, running them through effects pedals and making sure everything was like, it was awesome. Yeah. And then he comes out and starts, and there's no frills, man. Like, it gets dark in there. Oh, you're going to love this. Mayer has, like, a great deal of uh, pop culture knowledge. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's kind of his thing. Yeah. And uh, I feel like he's a dickhead that would be, like, the coolest dude ever to hang out with. Okay. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So his show starts with his initials, JCM. Mm -hmm. It's like an old Windows screensaver. Okay. And it's bouncing around. You remember the office yeah, thing where they absolutely. would watch for it to hit the corner? Yeah. Well, it bounces around for, I'd say, three minutes, dude. And then it hits the corner and every, it lands exactly in the corner, disappears, whole place goes dark, and everybody goes nuts. Awesome. And then here he comes up onto the stage with the whole band. And another thing about Mayor 2 that's awesome, I've seen a lot of shows where the backing band is incredible. Mm-hmm. Clapton's like this. He's the best. Uh, McCartney, of course. Mm-hmm. They're the best instrumentalist in the world. Yeah. But Mayer did about as good of job as recognizing how awesome the band was all night long mm-hmm. as anybody I've ever seen. Gotcha. He was grateful for their work. Isaiah Sharkey, Pino Palladino, uh, Dave Ryan Harris. Yeah. I mean, he had like a crew that's played with him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and so it, it was awesome. And he came out. He didn't say anything. He put the guitar on, turned around and said, one, two, three, four, boom, and didn't stop. Said thank you after every song and started another one. Not not much of a chatty Cathy during the show? No, he, he spoke with the audience. He, he interacted with a lady that had a sign, and uh, she actually brought a letter to the show. And, and she passed. Mayor wanted the letter brought up. He said he'd read it later. He could, couldn't wait to read it. Told a couple of jokes, mm-hmm. you know, and then he's sly too. Oh yeah, because he did this deal where he put that intermission in there for a reason. Well, you got to go tinkle, right? But there were a couple of times he has a song called "Changing," mm-hmm. piano-driven song, like a two-bar guitar solo. He didn't really do much in it. Well, he starts playing "Changing" midway through the first set, and there is a mass exodus of people. I mean, probably 6,000 people got up mm-hmm. in the arena to go to the restroom while he's playing Changing. I, I stuck around. Yeah. Rattled off a seven-minute solo in the middle of that joke. So they think nothing's going to happen, so they're bailing. You should have seen him flying back in. It was like when a team scores a touchdown on a Hail Mary, <laughs> and like everybody's coming back in at the right, end of the yeah, game. Yeah. But it was start to finish the best. And any two and a half hours, he did everything. Yeah. He, he did a couple – there were a couple of songs he didn't play mm-hmm. uh, that I couldn't believe. He didn't play Why Georgia. Mm-hmm. It was just stuff like that. Because two days later he's in Georgia. Right. plays but, a 20-minute version of it probably. But, but I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, my gosh, he didn't do Why Georgia. I don't care. Yeah. There's so much material there. Did he do Man on the Side? No. Man, I love that one. He didn't do – You Comfortable? No. Oh, man. I'm missing out right now. Okay, so apparently he built the set list for Atlanta where he got his start. Now, you were telling me that, so explain that to the listener. All right, so uh, the time I saw Springsteen at Madison Square Garden, I saw him three times on the same tour. I essentially saw the same show two of the times. Mm -hmm. Now, at Madison Square Garden, Springsteen played for what was almost four hours. Right, too long. Dude, it doesn't stop. There was no intermission or nothing. I mean, this dude's just up there, balls to the wall, nearly four hours. Yeah. 
Now, the, I saw Springsteen in Raleigh, and I saw Springsteen in Charlotte on that same tour, same year, months after the fact. Yeah. And in Raleigh and Charlotte, I saw a cookie-cutter stamp right. of the show from the, the night before. Mm-hmm. Mayer tears down every single set list and rebuilds it catered towards that city and region that he's going to for the music that they specifically like the best. And he uses metrics to do that. He's got metrics of what people are streaming, what people... And that is awesome. It really is. It's cool that we have that availability now, you know, as an artist. Absolutely. Somebody like Mayer, like, oh my gosh, a lot of people in North Carolina, you know, they want to hear uh, Vultures or whatever it might be. And then, well, I'm definitely going to work that in. Yeah. He did two... um, This was interesting, too. He did two dead songs. Okay. Because he's toured with Dead and Company. Yep. He hasn't done these two dead songs on tour at all mm-hmm. before or after this night in Charlotte. Two months prior to being in Charlotte, he was in Charlotte at the amphitheater with Dead and Company. Okay. The Dead and Company, the guy sitting behind me, I think, I don't know if I told you this no. or not. It's the guy sitting behind me, didn't know any of Mayer's music, was a deadhead. So he came just for that. His wife loves mayor's music okay can't stand the dead okay oh. and they're 60 years old yeah three songs in and this dude is t- he's tasked me on the shoulder and goes hey, he's incredible <laughs> and yeah. i said i said yeah dude he's rad yeah and that guy's like i saw him with the dead i just didn't know that he, he does this stuff yeah and i'm like dude modern day hendrix you know he's he's srv born again dude yeah you just got to strap in and hang on for it. it's He's very polarizing. Well, musically, I think if you, there's daughters and there's stuff like that that you know got play on radio and they got into where he is. But I think part of the polarizing stuff is people. I think when he went kind of crazy for a little while, and it was the attitude. Like my wife was turned off by him for a while, and then was kind of back on the train again. I keep telling her, "You didn't want to go see him in Atlanta at Phillips. I had to take my buddy Nick." Because you didn't want to go. She's like, why did I not want to go? You thought he was kind of a jerk. So you didn't go. Well, what happened was, I don't think John Mayer knew that, like, ladies found him attractive. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that he knew how talented he was. And then all of a sudden when he was famous and, like, Jessica Simpson calls you on the telephone or however that works. Yeah. I, that probably turns you into a different human being. Probably. Now, I've, I've probably told you this story. I don't think I've told this on the podcast before uh and we have mentioned back on that podcast where we talk about our shows or whatever uh so i was john mayer's first interview in radio and so john and i used to know each other in athens georgia he's living in atlanta but he's getting his base built in atlanta and athens and he's with clay cook then and they're uh, writing songs yeah, he's just come from berkeley yeah and so uh his manager at the time who picked him up his name was tom wages and Tom managed a group called Soul Miner's Daughter, which was Jennifer Nettles, yes. who went on to be Sugarland. So they were crushing it as Soul Miner's Daughter. He picks up this new guy. I was their first interview in radio, and I was his. So I would see John around town. I'd go to shows, and so we, we knew each other. And so I end up moving to a different city. And I'm, I'm in Lexington, Kentucky at this point. It had been several months since I had seen John or whatever, many, many months. And I'm at a showcase at this place called Smith's Hole Bar in Atlanta. And I get a tap on the shoulder, and it's John. He goes, hey, man, what's up? I'm like, hey. And so that's how much we would recognize each other at the, back then. And he's like, long time no see, and we, and we, hadn't been, we hadn't seen each other, so we started to catch up. And so this, I feel like, is a good insight into his personality. So I had asked how things were going, and he was like, uh, it's going you know, pretty good. 
And I said, uh, you know, how are things with Tom? And he goes, I'm not with Tom anymore. Mm. And I said, well, why not? And he goes, I'm getting too big too fast. I'm selling out, you know, this place and that place. And he goes, I feel like I haven't put my dues in. And he goes, this is going to sound corny, but I feel like I should be living in a van down by the river. I feel like I should be putting in the, the hard knocks time that it takes to be like Muddy Waters and these guys that he looked up to. Right. Those guys had to earn it and they had to work and grind. He didn't feel like he was grinding. So he's like, so I ended up dropping him and I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. And I was like, well, just so you know, I'm playing your stuff at my radio station in Lexington, Kentucky. So would this have been... Uh, so in this is 1999. That's Inside Wants Out. Yep. That's Comfortable and that's Why Georgia and all that stuff. So this is prior to Room for Squares. Yes, because he doesn't even have a record deal yet. Okay. So he's at that part. He's like, man, I'm just getting too big too fast. Then I was like, well, I'm playing your stuff. It's going pretty well. And he he thanked me for that. And I was like, if you need anything, just let me know. He's like, all right, man, thanks. And then, you know, that was kind of the end of that. And then a few months later, a handful of months, I get a single on my desk at my radio station from Aware Records, which at the time they had Train and some other bands. And it is no such thing. And it is John Mayer. I'm like, oh, snap. So he figured out what he wanted to do. And then he becomes... John Mayer from that point on you know my wife uh, reminds me a lot of yours mm-hmm. my wife has to sit let me tell you an average day for me just back up a hair all right and this is going to be today as well this is every day all right I'm going to leave the radio station I'm going to go home I'm going to play with my daughter might take a nap uh let me get up and eat supper watch some tv and then I'm going to walk into the room that I have and I am going to turn on music, and I am going to practice uh, playing guitar. Okay. That's every day for me. Gotcha. It's a creature of habit. Mm-hmm. Now, what I do after that is, you know. Up I in the air. R- random grab bag. Sure. My wife is so John Mayer, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Eric Clapton, David Gilmore out. Mm-hmm. Not interested anymore. She doesn't want to hear any of it anymore. Right. It's just to hear it all the time. Yeah. Plus, I think my wife... Uh, like yours, was turned off a bit by the 2000... Antics? Yeah, yeah. 7, 2008 John Mayer or mm-hmm. whatever. To tell you how good this show was, we got back to the hotel room and my wife says, I'm a fan. Yeah. Good. She wanted to listen to the music. That's how you know you've seen a good concert. When you're not a fan prior. I've told you this. This also made my concert list, but I told you about Brad. Yeah, yeah. Brad Stone Gossard's from, side from, project. From Jam, yep. I only went to see Brad because Stone Gossard was going to be there, and I was mm-hmm. going to be from me to you yeah. from Stone Gossard. Like, I'm never going to get close to Pearl Jam, probably, yeah. at this point. I, I probably could have hung out behind the club that night and then shook Stone Gossard's hand. Sure. You know, this is pre-cell phones. This is 2002 or something. Yeah. And I remember after that show, I had to go to... We still had record shops. We still had record exchange and stuff in Winston-Salem where you could go find bootleg records and stuff like that. I had to go get all of Brad's music. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And this show did that to my wife. Good. And, I mean, that's that's about as high of a compliment as you can give to an artist, I think. Yeah. I don't know the last time that I really found a band because of the opening band. 
or went somewhere and became a fan afterwards. But I do know uh, we went and saw my wife and I saw Ray LaMontagne. And, you know, you and I both love Ray. Fantastic uh, a performer. Uh, and the opening band was Jenny Lewis. And I had heard of Jenny and knew she had music, whatever. But she did a heck of a job as one of the openers for this. Then my wife became a fan of hers and so kind of sought her out and to find her music, whatever. But I am always, I enjoy the feeling and I don't, I just feel like I don't have it very much anymore. Leaving being a fan of someone who I wasn't like she was, like your wife was of John at that point. That makes a whole lot of sense. I haven't seen that either. And part of that may have to be with the way that we don't take in music the same way anymore. That's true. There is a guitar player who has a band in uh, Oklahoma. His name is Matthew Scott. Okay. He is, there's a, I'll give you another band, Buck and Evans. Okay. They're from Wales. Okay. You're going to hear about Buck and Evans. Okay. It's probably going to be 18 months. We'll gather then. Sure. And we'll talk about it. Uh, Chris Buck is okay. the guitar player for this band. Matthew Scott is the guitar player for this band in Oklahoma I'm talking about. I found them both through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Everybody's found them through Instagram. Okay. Now they're touring, well, uh, Buck and Evans, they're touring the UK mm-hmm. and parts of Western Europe. And Matthew Scott is making the the rock blues rock rounds in Oklahoma, Texas, Nebraska, Kansas, okay. that whole deal. Yeah. We take in music differently now. That's true. Like it's so crazy to me that Chris Buck is a great example. It's and so is Matthew Scott. Like if they were to open for who's a who's a blues rock band now that would be like relevant. I know that that's a weird. I don't know, I don't know like John Bonamassa or something like that. Joe Bonamassa, Joe, whatever. So Steve, uh, how about Greta Van Fleet? Okay. So if well, we, they're like Zeppelin, they're they're the new Zeppelin. And Zeppelin is a hundred percent blues rock. We need to go back and listen to Zeppelin okay. one and two. Uh, all right, sure. If, I'll give okay. You that. So Greta Van Fleet's playing, and they bring an opening act on, and let's say that it's Buck and Evans. Okay. I bet you a lot of people. I mean, Buck and Evans is thousands upon thousands upon thousands of followers on Instagram now. Yeah. So they're not going to get discovered because we saw them. It's just so weird. It's like the mayor thing. I was telling my wife, uh, the show was a sellout. Yeah. And by sellout, I mean, you understand what that means. Like when you watch a football game and they tell you it's a sellout, but you can look on tel- television see there's open seats. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody bought those. Yeah. Just people aren't there. Spectrum Center holds, I don't know, I'm going to throw a, a number out and guess, 21,000. Sounds about right. Okay back quarter or whatever's blacked out mm-hmm. right and and the upper levels there you can't get to and the stage kind of protrudes out a great deal too so capacity for this show probably 16,000 okay let's say 14,500 people were at this show i find that remarkable considering that there isn't a radio format in america right now that plays john mayer's music he released a single called um i guess i just feel like that's right uh, a while back, mm-hmm. back in the spring or something. I ain't nobody ever played that song. Maybe AAA. Yeah, maybe AAA. And, to, and AAA, is that even a thing anymore? Yeah, there's still AAA stations in the country. For those that don't know, that is adult album alternative. That's where I need to work. Yeah, it's fun. We actually, we have one right down the road in Charleston. They have a AAA, the bridge. They don't make any money, though, do they? Oh, probably not. I, I can't work there then. Yeah. But it's just... You do uh, it for the love. You don't do it for the money. You know... With that said, that joke that you just made, that's part of my point here, I think. Yeah. You should have seen the people. Because I asked my wife, I said, who comes to a John, this is before we're in the venue, who comes to a John Mayer concert in 2019? 
People who love John Mayer. I bet there's a lot of people like me mm-hmm. that think that he is uh, on a short list of greatest living guitarist. Top 15, maybe. I bet there's a lot of people there like, you know, that play the instrument, mm-hmm. that want to be mesmerized by what he can do with it. Yeah. Uh, I bet there's a lot of girls that are like, wow, that dude's hot. Yeah. It's John Mayer. That's why I go. Said my body's a wonderland. That's I know that's why you go. <laughs> it's the back, back to the panty throwing. We get into the venue, BJ. Black, white, purple, green. Dads with their five-year-old daughters, and the daughters are belting out every word. 65-year-old couples dancing in the aisles. It mm-hmm. was... I, I just love that. Yeah, the dichotomy of people yeah. was nice. And... uh you know, we need more of that. Yeah. Like, I feel like the people that show up at a John Mayer concert, not the not that the dichotomy of people that show up to a John Mayer concert are the dichotomy of people that show up to see Adele. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's an appreciation of the music. Sure. Now, I'm not saying that the girls in the short skirts that are crying and flipping out at Mayer, they're not going to see Adele more than likely. Right. I'm just saying that, that it's a similar a dichotomy appreciation she's one of the greatest singers around he's one of the greatest guitarists around same type of mentality going to see those shows and i feel also like we've lost something we don't have that many acts that are built that way anymore everything is so genre defined Mm -hmm. everything is such a you know it's categorized and and compartmentalized in a way to where we've broken this up into where like oh if you like rap you're gonna like this mm-hmm. and if you like country music you're gonna like this we don't have that many hey man you like music because this guy over here you're gonna love that if you like music you and i are built from the same mold you said that you like alternative yeah but you're very familiar with all music pretty much yeah right me too and so I can sort of be a chameleon, and if, if somebody does great music, like I can go to that show. Mm-hmm. My wife wants to see Pink. Okay. I, I know three, four Pink songs, the ones I've seen on television commercials that have, have been commercialized, yeah. and the ones that were hits when I was, you know, 22 yeah. or whatever. That's all I know. But I understand that she puts on a show mm-hmm. and that there's flying around. She's like, she's like a... If Cher joined Nitro Circus. Okay, yeah. Is this like a fair sure. thing? Yeah. Like, I would go see that. Like, I don't feel like we have enough people that are just... They're doing that sort of... It's about the music. Like, the Pink thing, my, my point is, that's a show. Yeah. That's like seeing Cher. It's like seeing Kiss. But Ray LaMontagne... That's about the music. That's all about the music. Yeah. Problem is there, he's not playing stadiums because he can't fill them up. Mm-mm. No, he's doing uh, not even arenas. He's doing uh, you know centers. Isn't uh, he a weirdo? He, he that, yeah. I'm sorry. Isn't he eccentric? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, he does not do interviews, and he really keeps to himself. And it's just we because because of that we don't know a lot about him. And doesn't he live on a farm in like Vermont or something? I believe he has land somewhere, and yes, he just communes there. And, and I just. Like, the world's missing out, I feel like. And that's by his choice. You know, because I feel like a lot of the way I discover music these days, because, you know, the station I work for, Radio Wise, is we are a rock station that don't really play any new music. So I do Spotify a lot. And we do have an alternative station in town, and I will listen, but I don't necessarily love the things that I hear on that station. But through Spotify, if I'm listening to something I like, I always like to look at the suggestions and see what stands out of something. I don't know who this is. Let me click on it and see what is their most spun song. What's got the most listens. Let me click on that and see if I like that. And through that, 
you know, I end up building playlists. I've got a cool alt playlist. If I hear something over here, I like it, I'll throw it in there, and then I kind of forget about it. And then when I'm listening to that playlist on shuffle, I'm like, oh, what is this? This is super cool. I do or, the same thing. Or if it's singer-songwritery and something pops up and when I'm listening to like Ray LaMontagne radio on there, I find artists like that. But I, I've never found an artist through Instagram. I've never found an artist, well, I won't say never through YouTube. Uh, Pomplamoose was one that I had found, I don't know about 12, 13 years ago, and they do covers, and it's two people, and they would do the videos. To me, they were the, the first that I saw that would take the video of whatever cover they're doing and record them doing all the instrument parts and all the singing and make this fun video. I remember that kind of stuff was really cool. Yeah, yeah. and so that's when I I've, did find them through YouTube, but that's really about it. But my kids, like, they can tell you certain people that sing or certain people that do this that uh, have made it through YouTube. And they don't need a record deal because they're pulling down, you know, a hundred grand or two hundred grand a year just doing whatever they're doing on YouTube. Mateus Asato. Okay. Bless you. <laughs> yeah, he's a Brazilian. Okay. Guitarist. Instagram, YouTube videos. Just killing it. He's Tori Kelly's touring art uh, guitarist now. Oh wow. Yeah. And he is. He's killer. Yeah. And she was the first person to be like, okay, you're gonna be a big deal. And he and he is like he's. Once again, he's another level. Yeah. A pro- prodigy. Okay. I don't even know if uh, Mateus is... Hard to tell how old he is, but I'd be shocked if he were older than 20. Yeah. Looks that young. Yeah. You know, and it's... And here he is in Brazil. His Instagram posts are so funny because he seems like like the sweetest dude, man. Mm-hmm. And all of his posts are about love and treating people good. And uh, he's, a, he's a Christian guy and he's got a positive message. His English is garbage. Yeah. And so, like, the grammatical errors, like, you have to piece it together in your right, head, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's like a drunk text. Yes. And I think that Tori Kelly was like, okay, I want you. Yeah. That is a real thing now. Which is pretty awesome. I do think that it's cool. Um, I also, it, this is going to sound terrible, I also don't believe that everybody should have a platform. No, I'll give you that. Well, how about this, though? If you give everybody a platform, the platforms that resonate with the people are the ones that are going to cut through. And those, some people who shouldn't have a platform, maybe we don't even know the platform is there because if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, did that platform make a sound? Yeah. Yeah. Because the tree makes a sound every time because your theory has so many holes in it. Like, look at these people that... Is my refrigerator light on right now with the door closed? In this YouTube (laughs) vacuum, it is. Like, what... Remember the guy that was like a Disney star or something, and then he went and he made the jokes at the Chinese suicide woods or whatever, like a year. Ago. Oh yeah, like yeah. They, like that dude. Yeah. He doesn't need a platform. Right. Like you lose your rights now. Mm-hmm. You're officially finished right now. And you know how many people saw that video? Ten million billion trillion. Yeah. That that's my point. I guess is yeah. that not everybody deserves a platform. And I think people have one that I'm surprised that they do. Uh, there's that I don't even know what they're I don't even know who they're. There's brothers and like ones like I think Luke or something, and and they've they've gone on to do like reality shows and they've got their various platforms and and like how they started blows my mind because a lot of these little reality people on the internet just record themselves doing nothing, and somehow somebody watched and then somebody watched. And then someone told this. The next thing you know, now they've got more. So they start doing more of these videos. You just discovered YouTube, a YouTube-type video this week, which is ASMR. 
But it's a, it's a, ASMR darling. Is that what it is? Yes, it is. This uh, it's just a twenty two year old college student who uh, ASMR stands for. It's an acronym. It's some sort of sensory something. There's no science behind it. I do, I dove way into this last night. Yeah. No science behind it at all. But uh, l- let me give you an example. They take a mic, they turn the gain up all the way, and they whisper. And it's supposed to trigger uh, sensory things in your head. And, and they'll do various sounds like... Which we can't hear very well. Yeah. You know, it's like that. So, and, and this girl has two and a half million subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. And, and here's the kicker. Okay. When she... <laughs> I'm not going to tell you she doesn't have any talent, okay? Because I'm just not going to do that. But every video is just literally whatever it needs to be for the day. And it, it could be, guys, I'm going to go shopping. Here's what I'm going to buy. Right. And that's what she's doing. And, the, and here's what's crazy, BJ. Here's what's nuts about that. She's making $1,000 a day. Of mm. last check, she's making a thousand dollars a day. Now you can do the math. Yeah. After taxes, she's probably clearing a hundred and ninety thousand dollars. She's in college and she pumps out maybe two fifteen twenty minute videos a week. Yeah, with and don't even need any editing, uh, hardly, because it's just literally her whispering into a microphone and occasionally doing sounds with her hands. And then there are others. We saw some dude. I thought it was a joke, and it's some bearded man. Who's like it's time? It's time for another video, and he's just whispering into the microphone and making noise. He's got he had like two hundred something thousand followers. That's right, and there's no skill and no talent involved in that at all. And part of me makes me super frustrated with that because I have spent twenty three years honing my talent in radio and several years honing my talent in television, and these jokers with no talent. You are smart enough you to... You just said no talent. You said are, you weren't going to do it. It's I, subjective. Because this is when I start to get frustrated. <laughs> you know, uh, are more opportunistic than I am. So my frustration also lies with me. I could get on and do an ASMR-like vi- video right now. Okay. Now let me stop you. Because I've thought the same thing. I have an Instagram account. It's, it's Operation Adam. Mm-hmm. That's my Instagram name. The reason I started an Instagram, and I never never had an Instagram. I'm I'm not a social media guy. I, I don't get into it. I'll look at everybody else's stuff. Sure. I'm not a poster. Yeah. I have wanted to. I have a a, a camera that'll film in 4K. Mm-hmm. I have a small studio set up at home. I have a Mac. I can edit video. I know how to do all of that. I have wanted to put my guitar playing and the music that I write on Instagram. That's a that's a trend right now. Mm-hmm. I don't have the balls to make it happen. I'll set all the stuff up at home and I'll be like, I'm not going to subject myself to this Yeah, because I'm scared. Now, if you ask me like, hey, man, there's a charity event in town, like 2,500 people or something, and uh, we just need somebody to come out and be funny for a couple hours. No problem. Yep. Like, hand me the mic. I'll come do it. I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the thing I'm most passionate about and probably the greatest talent I have in the world, I'm afraid to showcase. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Like, I feel like you and I could both make the ASMR videos if we were doing it as a par- as parody to yeah. be funny. I would, I, here's the thing. I would do it to be funny and to be a parody. But the kicker is 
you'd get the people to watch who want the parody part of it, and then you'd get the people who really want the ASMR part of that. So I feel like that's a win-win. Because I really thought that one dude was a joke. Turns out that it's not, because he's got a face for radio and not a face for television. And here he is with this video has got 700,000 views. And YouTube, when you do well, maybe my numbers are a little off, typically with that, you're getting 0.008 cents per view once you get to the level where, where YouTube is paying you. So you're not even making a penny per view, you're making the 0.008 cents per view. I think there's a multiplier tied into that based on subscribers. Yes. And, right. I would love to be able to figure out some way to do that because there's no talent when it comes to that at all. You just got to get the talent is, can you turn the microphone up and can you just talk about nothing? Yeah, but I think that isn't there this, um, and once again, subjective, and I'm not trying to be like a woke guy or whatever, where yeah. everybody gets to play and everybody's talented, but isn't there talent in your ability to appeal to people? No, I don't think so. I think, I think there's likability. I don't think there's talent there. Because there are some people who, when you meet them, they are more captivating than others. That's called charisma. So the chick that you're talking about, this ASMR darling, she doesn't have the talent, but she is super cute. And so she is able to play up to her strengths of looking super cute while whispering. Yeah, but you're saying playing up to her strengths. Yes. Aren't you actually saying that her talent is being able to recognize what it is that people like isn't charisma a talent not everybody has that uh, okay here's an example i think it's a trait i don't think it's a talent either some people are charismatic but they're not talented in the in in being charismatic yeah, but either your talent and charisma you're both born with i, think I don't so. think that's something you develop i believe that's right once upon a time in hollywood mm-hmm. massive movie out right now yep we talked about it on this podcast maybe five times mm-hmm. um Let's replace Brad Pitt with Luke Wilson. Okay. Movie doesn't work. Right. Yeah, Brad has certain qualities about him. Well, there's a, a charismatic thing yeah. there. And I and I don't know who's more talented. Well, I, I do. That's a poor example. True. But take Idiocracy. Replace Luke Wilson with Brad Pitt. You have a totally different movie as well. Idiocracy works better, I think, because of Luke Wilson than it would with with Brad Pitt. I don't know, dude. If Brad Pitt's in Idiocracy and they're still watering the plants with Gatorade, like, I am all in. Yeah, I, I don't know if he fits there, but I understand what you were saying. Right. Some people have the charisma, some people do not. Some um, people have talent, some people do not. I think she recognizes that she is attractive, not a talent. Now, uh, guys will use talented as a reference to how good-looking a girl is, so maybe she understands that she is talented in that fashion. And then she just plays up to her strengths. That necessarily isn't being talented. It's just being smart enough to know what you can do. Shake what your mama gave you. I think that YouTube and Instagram are the discovery platforms now. I think so. And it's not even, not a knock to my own medium, but it's certainly not radio. It's certainly not television. Like, radio or television, they still work. Uh, But that's, to me, it's not where talent discovery is anymore. It used to be. Yeah, well, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Kimmel's a great example, right? Yeah. Uh, disc jockey. Yeah. Pat Sajak, who hosts Wheel of, Fortune. Uh, Wheel of Fortune every single night. Country music, disc jockey. Mm-hmm. Like, we're. Ryan Seacrest, disc jockey. Ra- yeah, Ryan Seacrest, a great example uh, out of Atlanta there. Yeah, it's. Uh, YouTube and Instagram have taken that over. And it's probably because everybody has a platform, right? Mm hmm. 
The hard part now is how do you cut through? There's so much stuff, you know, like my, so what's funny is I was uh, telling somebody the other day, I was with my son and talking about, uh, he was bored because it's summer's almost over and he, he wanted to go to the TV station with me and, and, and here at the radio station. And we came across somebody and talking about they had a kid too. I'm like, yeah, I'm always just watching YouTube or doing whatever. So yeah, he's always watching Dan TDM. He goes, oh, no, no, I don't do that anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you were just watching him like a month and a half ago because he was playing Cuphead. And if, and if you don't know who Dan TDM is, Dan is on YouTube and the bigger part of the screen, you see him. The smaller part of the screen, you see the game that he is playing. And he became predominant because of Minecraft. And he would play Minecraft. And he was, you know, this British guy. And he had fun doing it. And now his videos would grow. And now he just kind of grew into just playing other video games. And even just doing stuff that's not video games. And he makes a ton of money just being Dan. And his, I don't even know what his real name is. Except his handle on YouTube is DanTDM. And... Now Danger's already like, oh, no, I'm past him. And he's watching some football guys, like uh, by football, I mean soccer guys, uh, that do these trick shots and do that. He's watching them, and he's watching a few of these other things. So he's just moving on, and I don't even know how. I wonder sometimes, BJ, about this also. So I'm sucked into the same thing, like I follow musicians. It's not really applicable, but let's say that Dan TDM, I'm familiar with who that Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. My kid watches somebody, uh, Ryan's World, okay. who now has a line of toys at Target. Wow. Ryan is a little boy, about seven, mm-hmm. and his parents have been filming him playing with his toys in his room since he was like two, and he has a line of toys at Target. That's crazy. They are filthy rich. Yeah. However, uh, I don't believe that that's sustainable. No, probably not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I believe it's a short cash-in. I would be shocked, no offense, Dan TDM. But I would be shocked if Dan TDM was still relevant 10 years from now. Yeah, but the nice thing is if he's smart, he doesn't have to be. Or he might stay relevant because he's done a good job of moving from game to game that is popular. So you might not be into Minecraft anymore. And if you are, maybe you're finding the old videos. But now he's playing this new thing that's hot. Because those people give him that game first they also give him special things because he was doing like uh, not overwatch but one of those maybe it was overwatch and they gave him special stuff so he's playing some game and he's got something no one else has because you get to see it in action and then in that game you have to try to hunt and find it and then you could have it too and so he's kind of breaking information and breaking parts of games to the people who are watching while having fun. That's these guitar players. Like, they'll they'll pop up. You know, I'll get a notification on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, hey, guys, what's up? I just want to let you know, um, I want to thank Paul Reed Smith. You know, Paul uh, so graciously has sent me this brand-new instrument. It was built to my specifications. And it's like, they're the influencers. Yeah. And that's that's why. That's the only reason I want to make guitar videos. Yeah. To so, become the influencer? Yeah, so that maybe Fender would be like, hey, man. You know what it starts with? It starts with the first video. That's what it does. Yeah, but I, th- there's uh, metrics there, and there's ways to get that stuff going. And I don't know anything about any of that. And plus, dude, I don't know. I take criticism very well mm-hmm. from people directly. Yeah. Like, uh, if you told me that I did something on my radio show... And it, and it would have worked better if I would have done it this way or whatever. I'm 100% open to that. Right. Now, I may not agree with it, or or I might be like, man, you're right. You're dead on. Yeah. But I'm 100% open to it. Yeah. And and my dad uh, my dad used to tell me I was uncoachable mm-hmm. when, he, when he coached me. Right. And it might be true. And when uh, I started playing 
you know, school ball, mm-hmm. my dad was like, mm, I turned you into the most coachable kid ever. Right? You know, it was just different. Yeah. And so I learned a lot from that. But there's something about the internet and this blind criticism, it crushes me. Yeah. Like, I mean, it really affects me. Like, that's why I don't do a lot of stuff on Facebook and I don't do a lot of stuff on Twitter because I just, I'm not built to handle that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm just the opposite. I can handle the criticism normally, which is fine. But when it comes to the opposite, when it comes to the internet, I was actually told today uh, from uh, the person who runs the rock station. I heard this story. And so on Instagram for our radio station, someone had put that, who's this canard guy? And you should fire him because we have a show uh, that is called the 90s at noon. And what we do is we play 90s for the whole noon hour. And I am also a very dry, sarcastic person. A lot of my persona on the radio or just in general, I am very sarcastic and dry. So I don't know if this guy just can't understand the the inflection that I'm giving. Because a lot of times I'm like, hey, it's the 90s at noon. Nothing but 90s for the whole hour. So you're just going to hear 90s. When? I, I, it's probably the noon hour. So it, it might be a little redundant at this point. That sort of stuff. And this guy thought I was terrible and had this whole thing. And there was, and so I get told that today. I'm like, okay. And even uh, you know the PD was like, uh, the person who runs the station, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have told you. I'm like, oh, man, I don't care. Like, I don't know that dude. Like, that's, that's not going to soul crush me because anybody can say anything on the internet. And because of that, most of the time it falls on me as it's not important because there's no filter and there's no, if that person came and saw me in person, they probably would not say that sort of thing to me. Might even tell me the opposite. They love the show or whatever. But since there's this sort of veil that's there, of almost secrecy or anonymity, though I can, you know, you can see who the user is, but I'm not going to go find this guy. You can say what you want, so I don't really care. Well, but here's the difference, I think. Also, got a good therapist, so that helps too. <laughs> People tell me all the time, you know, not all the time, but uh, if I do some sort of comedy bit or whatever on my radio program, mm-hmm. and uh, it's met with, you know, I get one person that doesn't get it. Yeah. Some, I have this like thing where I'll get too heady for what it is I do sometimes, mm-hmm. but I do kind of do it on purpose because I enjoy it. Um, and people don't understand it. I, I haven't done a very good job, and people tell me, "Oh, I didn't. What were you doing? I didn't understand it." Yeah. Uh, and then I I learned to to tweak that or whatever. I, but I also don't care because it's my job. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting paid to to get up and come do this again tomorrow morning, mm-hmm. right? But with something like, if I made a video playing guitar, that's something I really care about. Yeah. That I don't get paid for. Right. And if somebody told me that, hey, man, you suck, mm-hmm. it's kind of like... I get it. and I, But I think part of that is really having the confidence and the chutzpah to understand that that's not true. Flip side of that is, if my wife, you know, because I do woodworking as well. If my wife is less than enamored with something that I'm like, man, look what I just did. Yeah. My wife's like, oh, okay. Breaks my heart. Because I'm because uh, her opinion matters to me more than anything. And though she probably liked it, maybe just didn't get the reaction that I thought I was going to get. And that could be a little heartbreaking. But for everyone else, like I, like, so I had a roommate once and his name was Shane Petty. Awesome dude. Good looking guy. Dated super hot girls. I was having an issue with at the time i was having a hard time getting dates whatever it was it just my game was crap 
And so Shane sat me down and goes, look, dude, let me tell you a little something. This is how I approach my uh, approach to ladies. I've taken this and then I've used it in my life. And it is it was the greatest batch of information that I could do for me. I'm not telling you it's great for anybody else or anything. But he sat down and he said, you talk to any girl that you want. Any one of them. And if she doesn't appreciate you talking to her or she do, you don't get the same response, blank her. You know, F her. That's her loss, not yours. She's better off knowing you and you need to understand that. He's not saying that in a cocky way that like, you know, forget that B. It's just a matter of you have something to offer. It's about self-value. Yes. And so if she doesn't want to give you the time or any of that stuff, that is her loss and not yours because she's missing out on a great opportunity, not you, especially since she didn't want to give you the time of the day. And so I took that. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, man, honest to goodness, go give it a shot. And so when I was going back out after that advice, I was crushing it with the ladies then. I, when I met my wife, I was dating two other girls at the time. Uh, so, and that was, you know, that happened before then. I was able to go do it, but I've also taken that into my life in general. I feel like I have something to offer people. That was not very woke of you at the time either. It wasn't, <laughs> but I'm okay with that. You know, it could be probably phrased differently, but I do feel like I have something to offer. And if that is, if I'm having a conversation with somebody or any of that, not that I'm going to be able to go help you move from your apartment, maybe I could, but like, uh, when I meet somebody or if I do something, if it's on the radio or the podcast or on TV, then I feel like when I meet somebody in person or if I do any of the things, I have something to offer. And if someone likes it, awesome. If they don't, guess what? Not the person for me. And I get to move on. And I don't have any regrets with any of those. To make this to where it's applicable on making Instagram and YouTube videos, mm -hmm. you're saying to just do it. Absolutely. That's what I was saying. For you to get that step, to get Fender to send you a guitar starts with that first video and just doing it. And the best way I think for you to do that video is not to record that video. You do that thing live. You Facebook live that thing because then there's no going back. Because if you record something, you're going to, how many times are you with your wife or with someone and you take a picture and go, oh, let me see that. Hang on a second. Let me see it. And then so uh, right. to see if it looks okay to post. Oh, let's, let's do it again. Oh, I don't want to do it. Look, I, we're fine. No, no, no. We're going to do it again. But if you do that thing live, there's no way you can go back and have to go, oh, I didn't hit that note great. I didn't do it. Like, I mean, just do it. You do it and you see what happens. I don't think anything's going to happen. Well, then, then there's no reason not to do it. How do you have like 10 million followers? Like, that's my whole thing. Starts with one. And then it goes to the next. You, have, you just have to find something that just resonates or someone who like this, hey, check this out or do whatever or whatever. Or you get an influencer who happens to see what you do. And then if they like it or share it, then it starts to blow up a little bit. Like we talked a lot about John Mayer on this podcast yeah, yeah, today. Yeah. So the idea, I, when we're done here, and I'm going to try to tag John in as much stuff as I can with this and see if he'll actually listen to it. And maybe he shares it because we said good things about him and, and all those things. And then someone else finds the podcast and then it, it's a snowball effect. Maybe not. Let me bring us full circle right okay. here, by the way. Did you see John Mayer had a stalker? Uh, no, I didn't see that. So John Mayer filed, John Mayer feared for his life. Dude's from North Carolina. Oh, okay. And uh, put a restraining order out on this guy. He's The guy's been arrested for stalking before, told John Mayer he was going to kill him. 
and that it was one of those where all you had to do was be my friend. Like, <laughs> yeah. Man, that's the, like, misery stuff. Yeah, so Charlotte Observer had the story. The dude came to the concert, and they knew, like... They've got his picture up. By the way, I should mention, too, that... Do you remember going to concerts, like, 25 years ago and the people that would take your ticket? Mm-hmm. They don't hire those kind of people anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, like, the ticket-taking process is... It's an elderly gentleman with a, with a, a laser scanner. Not at Charlotte. Oh, no? Oh, no. Oh, is it, like, big, big giant people? No, it's highly intelligent young folk. Oh. Yeah, like, it was pretty interesting. It's like millennials. Yeah, and... uh that dude showed up and tried to get in and whoosh, straight up arrested, you know, thrown in the squad car, paddy wagon, whatever they ended up doing. So we can tag him all we want, but I mean, he's probably a little wigged out. No, not by that. He'll remember me. And he'll be like, oh, yeah. He won't remember you because... Uh, I'm going to tag my picture. I'm going to put a picture of me and him for this picture. Yeah, but you you remember when you did go meet him? So no, no, that one worked the, fine. The... The, no, at Phillips. Yeah, no. Yeah, but you told me that he acted like he knew you, but whether he did or not, you weren't sure. No, no, that's Jennifer Nettles. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so when I saw John at Phillips Arena backstage before the show, uh, there was a long line of people for the meet and greet. We're second in there, and there's uh, you know people in front, and the way the meet and greets work, for those that have never been to one, uh, there's a backdrop that'll say, like, John Mayer or maybe a sponsor or something, and then you stand in front next to him. Someone takes your picture. Sometimes you get to hand over your phone and take it with that. And then, like, hey, cool, I'm John. I'm so-and-so. Nice to meet you. Cool. Pose. Click. All right, man, hey, enjoy the show, blah, blah, blah. And then you're gone. Then it's the next person. So the people in front of me go, and then we go next. And as my buddy Nick is in front of me, who's bigger, John's like, hey, I'm John. Uh, he goes, I'm Nick. What's up? You know. And then as soon as Nick moves out of the way, he's, John goes, hey, I know you. And I get a big old hug from John Mayer. I'm like, hey, man. And just to refresh, I'm like, yeah, BJ. He's like from Athens. I'm like, yeah, man. And uh, so we talked for like a, a minute, just, you know, sort of what's going on. What are you doing? All that stuff. And and then we did the He's like, you, you hanging out after the show? I'm like, yeah, probably so, because maybe I'll see you. And then, uh, of course, I left after the show, because uh, how am I supposed to get back there? Uh, you know, whatever. And I left. So I was happy with that. Now, Jennifer Nettles, who I knew, who I thought I knew better than John Mayer, was like, yeah, I remember you. No, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. And well, I was so disappointed. Man, you should have been amped that Mayer knew who you were. Yeah, bye, bye. And, I, and I was. And the best part about it was behind me in line is my buddy Andy, who is a member of the, literally a member of the John Mayer fan club. And in the time that I hadn't seen John Mayer, which was years and years and years, not since the time he tapped me on that shoulder that we talked about earlier. I had not seen him since then, or like a decade goes by. And then Andy, who worked at a very predominant radio station in Atlanta, had seen John like 15 times, like has recorded John Mayer, like liners and John playing acoustic guitar and like had conversations with him. They're right up behind. Andy's wife goes first. It's like, hey, uh, I'm uh, so-and-so. He goes, hey, I'm John. And then Andy goes, uh, first... uh, (laughs) John Mayer goes to him and goes, uh, hey, I'm John Mayer. And Andy goes, yeah, I know. We've we've met many times. I'm I'm Andy. Oh, that's crushing. So for the whole rest of the night, when we saw Andy go, hey, I know you. Oh, wait. Sorry, that wasn't. That's not what he said. You know how many people that those guys see all the time, too. It's tough, man. It's super tough. And, and that's why it meant so much that he did recognize me. And I really did think that Jennifer Nettles would have recognized me more than John did. I, I really was kind of heartbroken on that one because we meet people in this line of business all the time. And it is cool when they 
remember you or even like you because you'll go have you know I've had dinner with a lot of you know, like a lot of rock stars and things like that and and you know built friendships over the years uh, and those friendships exist in the city at the show right you know it's not like uh, this this one lead singer of this one band is texting me or calling me because of this no where they're in town like hey BJ what's up you know that sort of thing how are the kids how's the wife how you know how's your family blah 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 and then when the show's over I don't see him again for three or four years and that's fine but I feel like I, I do I do want to hang out with John well if mayor were to let me just say this about the show mm-hmm. I left I went to the merch table you bought some stuff I bought the stay tuned t-shirt I bought the Johnny Boy T-shirt. I bought a current mood hoodie. Dropped like a buck sixty-five on that stuff, and worth every penny of it. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, there's a John Mayer T-shirt right behind you. That's right, there, I know. Um, I'm gonna go home. It was so impactful to me that I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna run through a tube screamer and a compressor, and I'm gonna run into a deluxe reverb, and I'm gonna try to get as close You're to the Dumble sound, Chinese. As, right? But not to guitar players. I know. And I'm going to try to get as close to the Dumble sound as I can because I heard it. Dumbledore. I understood that. That's Harry Potter. No, not, no. Cl- not okay. close. I'm far off. Uh, anyways. So you're going to try to match John Mayer's sound is what you're saying? I'm going to try to get as close as I can. And it's a, it's a, it's an unwavering process. I have what I think right now is like my own tone. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about his. I just I want to get closer to that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so it's awesome. I feel like if you're reaching out to him, like let's say you filmed yourself doing a song or whatever and you think you've nailed his tone, asking John, how close am I, feels like something that you'd get a response for. It's you or the guitar, so he's already intrigued. How close did I get to your sound, John? You don't think? No, because... You don't think he's... He's got to be in control of his own account. Yeah, but no, he very much is yeah. super active. So why would he? Maybe he sees it. Because maybe he listens. In the guitar world, you're not trying to get somebody else's sound. So he's going to probably come back with an answer that is like, yeah, man, you're close, but you need to be doing you. Really, your tone's in your fingers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I can't get close to his sound because he's one of his amplifiers is. Uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, and the other Ugh. one's twenty grand, and then he's got a another a, a PRS thing that Paul built for him. That's another you know twenty grand. Yeah, essentially through three pieces of in, uh, like instrument stuff, uh, he someone could live in a house. I do have uh, his silver. I got the Silver Sky, mm-hmm. and I got one of his guitars. The, and I got the very first run. They only made a couple with that limited edition hard shell case. I have that. I played that guitar so much. That the volume and tone knobs, the numbers are worn off. They're just white dials now. There you go. And I've only had it. I mean, I got it when it came out. Yeah. So then, don't do that video and say, "Is my tone close?" I. uh, It meant a lot to me, though, man. It was inspiring to see somebody that good. Like, like I said, man, I've seen Clapton a half dozen times or Mm -hmm. something, and I love Eric Clapton. But I didn't get. I wasn't around to see uh, Eric Clapton, uh, obviously with Cream or. or, birds, or with well, yeah, certainly not then, or with Steve Winwood, or yeah. uh, with Derek and the Dominoes, with Dwayne Allman. I, I, I saw the elder statesman, sure, Eric Clapton, yeah, and then Mayor's not there yet, give, so give him thirty more years, not not quite. That would put John in his seventies. I uh, would give John fifteen more years, twenty more years, twenty it, twenty years. He's going to be sixty-two because I, I think he's a year older than I am. He's I think he's forty-one, something like that. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got a feeling, dude, I'm going to be one of those weird... Like, I've never been the guy that's seen somebody, like, 15 times. Mm-hmm. I might end up being that dude if he comes around enough. 
All right. Well, we'll work on that. And hopefully, hopefully we'll get him to come in here. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to get him to pay attention to this particular podcast and see what he says. That'd which, be cool. Which may be nothing, but we'll find out. As always, uh, thank you for listening. Make sure you like us. Uh, you know the little stars, depending on where you are, and tell your friends. You can like us on all the major things. Subscribe. And until next time.